0: Welcome to The Contented Collective, a weekly podcast about business, marketing, and entrepreneurship in Australia.
1: This week, I'm speaking with Richard Cropley, founder of $60 million global manufacturer Rhino Rack. We'll talk about his expansion into the US, never ever failing, and selling his house to get to where he is today. I'm Kate Constantine. And this is The Contented Collective. Welcome to the Contented Collective. Today I'm joined by amazing uh, business founder, owner, entrepreneur, and probably one of the most recognisable yet silent and amazing engineering products in the Australian marketplace. I'm here with Richard Cropley, who is, um, you know, what would be your title? Like, magnanimous entrepreneur <laughs> at Rhino Rack.
0: Oh, Kate, thank you. What an introduction. Call me what you like. Chief cook and model washer. That's what I normally tell people, but... <laughs> It's, uh, you know, this is really a little business which we've had for the last, you know, 25 years. And it's grown from scratch, grown from the days where you put it all on the line when you start off with no yeah. money. And, uh, you know, when I look at where we are today, I sort of think, well, we really have to achieve something. We've just grown by uh, so many different things. It's, uh, it's, it's quite extraordinary. But everything which we've earned over the years, we've poured back into it. Yeah. Into this business. New designs, kept up with technology, technology's changed along the way. Yep. You know, you look at cars, you look, think of gutless cars, so we've had to ad- adopt a, that sort of thing.
1: Yep.
0: We've had to... Um, you look at the opportunities, you sort of say to yourself, well, you know, I remember one, once upon a time when I saw these ugly big aluminium things on top of high as vehicles.
1: Yep.
0: And they were the Telstra racks. And I said, oh, gosh, I'll never make those. But, you know, the opportunity came along and... They asked us, you know, once we got the Toyota contract back in the mid-90s, Toyota then got the Telstra side of things and they asked us to actually supply that sort of product and we've had that business ever since and it's just, it puts you on the map even further. Yeah. Yeah. Extraordinary, yeah.
1: So tell me, Richard, let's go back a step. You started this amazing business, but you have obviously got a heritage steeped in both engineering and being able to build stuff, right? You're a creator at your heart. Tell me how I'm you started. A fa- I'm
0: actually a farmer.
1: You're a farmer.
0: I am indeed. You know, had the early days of Hawkesbury agriculture, growing uh, tobacco, vegetables up in New Guinea, WD Nacho Wills in the early days, mm-hmm. then back selling tractors for a few years. Tipperary Station ran that operation up north in the Northern Territory.
1: God, it's a long way to Tipperary.
0: It is indeed. (laughs) Then eventually um, back down, travelled down down to Perth and that's when the rack started via my brother who um, started selling a brand called Roller in those days. And he came back to Sydney um, for a mate's wedding. I'll never forget it actually. Um, went down to the the roller factory, got all excited and said, "How'd you like to um, get, get involved in this?" And so mm. we had no money, but we we scrounged together a hundred thousand dollars, borrowed a million from the bank as you do in those days. which would have been so. like
1: a billion dollars today. If I borrowed that that it would be oh, like a billion dollars plus sixteen yeah. percent interest. yeah but
0: anyway, then we bought, we, we bought roller. Yeah. And that was in the old days. And then I sold out after about 14 months and that led to setting up a little Sydney's first little specialist roof rack shop, Roof Rack City on Parramatta Road at Haberfield. Still Mm -hmm. got that little store today. It actually drove past it on the way in here. That was really interesting because I really learnt about roof racks and the demand. We sold everyone's roof racks. Learned about what the market needed, what was wrong with the products and so forth. So after a little bit of manufacturing experience, I knew exactly who to go to. So I actually had to put my house on the line in those days, which is back in ninety two. We were all on the line to build three dies, injection molding dyes. Yes. And built the first Rhino racks. And then I was lucky I had the 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 income from the retail side to help me with yep. the, the manufacturing. We we slaved away. I can I can remember the days when I had the family involved there. We we're all putting two legs into a plastic packet and, you know, putting a little header card on the top and a sticker on it.
1: Stapling them stapling together, together, literally with the kids. That's Come right. on, kids. That's
0: exactly right. Staple and guns then, at the ready. Then, that's right. And then, you know, getting out there and wholesaling around the marketplace. And eventually, you know, we cut a long story short, we really built this into a business where today we've got 800 dealers around Australia. We supply a lot of the big chains. And then the big, the big one was setting up in Denver in Colorado. And that was back in 2009. And that's a story in itself.
1: Go on, tell us that one because I love a post GFC. <laughs> oh my goodness, what have I done? Story.
0: When we went over there, we thought it can't get any worse with the market. We
1: well, were definitely at ground zero. <laughs> we were right.
0: One of the products we had was a track mount system, which we were selling on top of what you call cap toppers. It's the fiberglass canopies on the back of youths. So we would go out and we'd find the dealers, and it'd take you five trips or whatever to, to actually find them, train them, get them set up. And That's a in, lot of in,
1: frequent fire, Miles.
0: I, I know. But anyway, we, we'd actually sell them a couple of the units and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the quickest way to go broke. So then I made the one big decision. I told all the guys I had there, I said, we're going to go and u- utilise the dot-coms and sell on the internet. That was the most intelligent thing I ever did over there. It was incredible. But it got us established. Mm-hmm. We had the... By the way, I don't know whether you just heard that little ka but that was an online sale.
1: <laughs> I love that. So our entrepreneur for today has a ka sound on his phone when we sell things online. That is awesome. It's the best. Can you please leave that on so we can see how many roof racks you sell while we do the podcast?
0: Oh, dear, one of the US sales. Yes. Anyway, we actually did it through, de- through dealers, through online people. So yep. we sell to them, they sell online. and so Yep. And that was really, really successful. And then, because with the exposure which we had, we had the bricks and mortar stores. I mean, the the market was very well catered for in the US. Yes. They had Julie and Yakima and, you know, two major, very good quality brands. Here we were trying to get in as a third brand and eventually, you know, with the pressure of people seeing us on the internet and walking into the the bricks and mortar stores, they were asking for Rhino. And then they've all come knocking on our door now, asking for Rhino, and so we're setting up the bricks and mortars. So it's changed the dynamics of the business completely over there, which, which is, is great. excellent. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it means it's yeah. self-sustaining, right?
0: Well, that's, that's exactly right. And because the other thing is that we're also selling to the South American countries and now we've got a big distributor up in, in Canada and that's going to change the environment again completely as well.
1: So let's backtrack a minute because I think that um, some really important points that we don't want to miss is things like your phone going ka when you make a US sale... <laughs> People try to emulate what they call, you know, marketing speak for founder's mentality. A lot of people talk about having founder's mentality or when you're a marketer or when you're a brand they, or a business, you know, have founder's mentality. There's very few people that can have founder's mentality that live or die by the sound of the ka and it's not about money in the bank. It's mm. about, you know, a level of success and making sure that the gambles that, or the risks that you've taken have paid off. You know, tell me what, in your mind's eye, talk to me about your founder's mentality.
0: I suppose you don't want to fail. Yeah. That, that is... You that's just, the headline, that's, right? That's, that's don't it. fail. You do not fail. You have to just keep going and going. And you really, really want to succeed. And I, I, I was very lucky, I suppose. I had a fa- my father, who was a surgeon, should have been an engineer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: taught me how to work. We had a little farm. We, yeah. You know, it was just one of those work was just drilled into me. You've got to... Every weekend, you'd be down there picking up sticks in the paddock, whatever it might be. But whatever you did, the harder you worked, the better you became at it. Yeah. And once I found this little niche of roof racks, you suddenly realised, hey, we can do this and we can do that. Then it becomes a lot of fun where you're solving problems and that's what really gets you going. So every day you're sort of thinking, well, let's do this, let's do that. And the hardest part is not going broke along the way. (laughs) <laughs> cash flow, cash flow, cash flow.
1: It's totally cash flow. And it
0: still is. Yeah. It still is. You know, you're... Because as
1: your grand designs become bigger, hmm. so does the need for more cash well, to that, keep the flow that, going. That's
0: exactly right. I, you know, I was only, only sitting down talking to my financial controller today, saying, Rich, watch things. You're going to need $13 million worth of stock at Christmas time, this, that, and the other. you got to do this, you've got to do that.
1: Yep.
0: And you're always conscious of... What you're spending. Yes. Where you're expanding to. Yep. Should we slow down? Can you try and find more profitable areas within the business? It's a matter of, um, I mean, we want to do so many things. Yeah. That's the hardest part. Yeah. Trying to say, all right, which lever do we pull next?
1: And Uh, how do you prioritize?
0: Well, I suppose in real terms, you prioritize from um, products which are are needed, products which are. Yeah, when I say needed, they're, requ- they're requested and you can see the market for them. Yes. You've got to make sure the margin's correct and that it's going to be a profitable thing.
1: Otherwise, what's the point? Well,
0: that's, that's exactly right. I mean, we yeah. love doing things like boat loaders and so forth. However, mm-hmm. it's a difficult product because you've really got to tailor-make so many individual boatloaders for different vehicles and you can't really yeah. go into mass production.
1: Yeah. It's a
0: diff- you know, it's a difficult one. Whereas you can make a little gutterless rack and it'll fit every car, you know, that's, yeah. that sort of thing. So... You've got to prioritise things. I mean, the next probably the, one of the next big areas will be rooftop tents, luggage boxes, and yes. you know, vacuum form luggage boxes. I want to set up a plant in the USA and a plant here.
1: It's a big market. Everybody needs more space in they, their they, cars. They, cars they, are getting smaller or they, bigger, depending on that's, that's, which which end of the income that's, style you're at.
0: That's exactly right. And there are so many opportunities. I mean, yep. right now we want to steal market share from the other pe- the big boys over there in yep. the US. We're certainly holding our own here in Australia. Yes. Which is great. But uh, over in the US we know exactly what we can do. It'll take time, but yep. we'll get there. And we'll we Are you confident.
1: number one here in Australia currently?
0: Yes, we are, yes.
1: Yeah. And how long will it take you to be number one in the US?
0: I suppose another 15 years. I'll be realistic, you know. Yep. But
1: it'll, you'll it'll, see it.
0: Yeah. It'll, ha- it'll happen. Yeah. It'll happen. Yeah. It just depends how quickly we want to really really get there.
1: There's an age-old saying isn't there that part of um part of the success in life is the journey not just the destination. That's exactly right. It's the road to getting there. Yep. Yeah, it so is. So that segues really nicely into um you know some some talk about, you know, being this great entrepreneur and an innovator mm. within your category around, you know, cars and aftermarket, mm-hmm. you know, accessories and, and your engineering, you know, you've got some pretty big engineering cred out in the market. You know, how do you attract and retain amazing staff? Because that's a real IP game is mm. how do we do this? How do we, sp- you know, speed to market would be a big thing. New car launches, you've got to have your stuff ready. Yeah. So how do you ensure that you have the right people around you?
0: Well, we try now to really have well-qualified people. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the first thing. You incentivize them well. Um, but we're so fortunate to be in a game. You know, we're dealing with toys.
1: And- <laughs> Big boys' toys, <laughs> exactly. literally.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, you put them on your roof, put your surfboard on there, put your, whatever it might be, your skis, your luggage box, your ladder, all that sort of stuff. And, and these days, I suppose, how many other companies can actually go away on a trip take your roof racks, go through product testing. Let's try, you know, drive to Northern Territory.
1: So is this what you do? This is what we do. Oh, God. Okay. How fabulous. And
0: believe it or not. I'm
1: both scared it, and amazed by this
0: trip. It's actually all tax deductible.
1: It's tick.
0: We're, okay. Because <laughs> you have to test the product. You've got to put yeah. it through its spaces.
1: So you and the team go out and break stuff.
0: We do. That's exactly yes. right. We did it last year. We're doing it again this year. And uh, next year we're planning on actually we're taking it's our 25 year celebration for 25 years in business, and we're taking 40 people up there next year, which will be fantastic. Um,
1: so that other people can break stuff with you.
0: We're, we're take, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, we're taking 20 dealers and we're, ta- we're taking and plus 25 staff, and to reward them all and say thank you for 25 years of you know of business.
1: See, which, that's pretty amazing.
0: It's, it'll be good. It'll be yeah. a lot of fun.
1: So tell me not just about the staff piece there, because obviously that's quite important, but, you know, you've touched on that you'll be taking some dealers with you as well. Correct. You know, how important is B2B for you, like B2B marketing, if you've got 800, you know, physical yeah. bricks and mortar? You're probably one of the few industries that still is very heftily invested well, in bricks Our and business mortar.
0: is based on relationships and you have to look after everyone. You've got to be able to supply the product. You've got to do everything in the right manner. Uh, communicate, look after them, make sure the margins are correct, make sure they're all making a living, fix up any warranties or whatever it might be. It's just, All those things. You've, you've got to be able to tick every box and make sure they're smiling. It's yeah. as simple as that. And, uh, you know, the stronger you are with those relationships, yeah. the, the better the business.
1: So do you invest in, do you have sort of a network of Business development people and and business account managers that look after all those relationships.
0: Yeah, we've got seven reps on the road yep. uh, around Australia, mm-hmm. um, and then we've got a marketing team. It's a big operation. We've right now we've got, I think the last count was about one hundred and eighty people.
1: Within, wow, within
0: the operation, it's, that's big. It's getting. That's it, a lot of people. It's a lot of mouths to look after and feed.
1: Yeah, it's a yeah. lot of responsibility. Correct. Too.
0: Yeah, and you th- you've got to you've got to think that way. Yeah. You're responsible for 180 families. Yeah. So that's very um, true. you've got to keep them busy. And and it just <laughs> it just keeps going. It's I just it's, keep like going. A, it's like a machine. It's, a, it's
1: gonna be the know, little red keep, engine that keep could
0: in, keep inventing, keep, you know, just just keep the product rolling through.
1: So how do you that's a really good point. So how do you keep inventing? Because you know, a lot of um, you know, brands out there, if we look to really big brands, whether they be local or global brands, you know continually inventing is the hallmark of great success.
0: Yeah, we come up with our own ideas and I'm trying to get all the staff involved a lot more. But then the other day I said, right, next year we're going to have a, a program whereby we involve all the schools around Australia. Oh,
1: that's and, cool. And
0: ask all the schools, give the, the kids the opportunity to be inventors themselves.
1: Yeah.
0: And submit the prize, submit their, their, their work. Yep. And we can judge it, we can help them and so forth. So we're going to run some, some sort of a scheme like that to get, oh, that's
1: fantastic.
0: To get kids involved in it.
1: So almost like a scholarship of sorts yeah. where, you know, the yeah. best invention... We haven't
0: worked out all the finer details yeah, yet. Yeah, but... But, you know, I think it'll work really, really well.
1: Yeah, and what a great initiative. You know, you hear the government talking about, whether it's federal or, you know, um, local, you hear a lot of chat at the moment, and I've talked about it with a couple of my... Um, Guess so far about this notion of STEM or STEAM, depending on whether you've got a bit of an arts leaning, you put an A in there, which I do, obviously, um, but, you know, towards science, technology, mm. um, engineering and maths or uh, yep. engineering and maths, it's all very well and good to put a syllabus focus on those things, but if there's no physical or gainable output at the end, yep. it becomes very difficult mm. for kids to be inspired. It does. By who who are the heroes that are creating things that I can look towards.
0: There's so many kids out there who want to do, do something. And yeah. Let's, let's get them active and, you know, Make them part of the business.
1: Look, at the end of the day, they've got access to more than we've ever had access to yeah. as, a, as as human beings. Yeah. Kids affectionately that would be at high school now have never seen a recession or no. a significantly no. bad that's, financial time. That's exactly so right. So the world really is quite rosy in yeah. terms of I can make anything and be anything. Yeah. But I think that where we've, we lack... Um, as a, certainly as a country is we talk a big game around these things a lot of the time, but we mm. don't ever deliver. So it's really nice to hear that mm. business and private business as well. Yeah. Like you're a privately owned company. you're Correct. You're yeah. your own guy you, and that you think that there's, you know, um, merit in getting into schools and teaching them the practical application of all this stuff. Yeah. Not just the talk.
0: Well, and all the kids need to start in life. Yeah. And it only takes that first job or whatever it might be. Yeah. And you're away.
1: So true.
0: You know, that's all it is. And if you can help a lot of kids that way, I think it'd be fantastic. And, you know, it's so easy today. We can link up with them all. We've all, all got the web.
1: Yeah. We're, we're, can, all, di- we're all digitally we- connected now. That's,
0: that's exactly right. Yeah. So this shouldn't be difficult if we put it together the right way.
1: So tell me about the U.S. So we've br- briefly touched on, you know, this, you know, Aussie, I love those Aussie business stories going global and you have 25 mm. years, you know, next year, which is massive hallmark yeah, of is, an yeah. anniversary for you. you know, the U.S. is, you know, traditionally quite a parochial market mm-hmm. um, for things like cars and uh, and it, I would imagine even more so for aftermarket opportunities. So tell me, what are your marketing plans? You're, you obviously need marketing. Yeah. Tell me what the marketing rollout looks like for you.
0: Well, the first thing is we're really going to increase the, the web's presence. We'll be doing a, another website in Spanish because we are exporting a lot of product down to South America. So we'd need the new the other languages. Um, we'll be doing a lot of trade shows. We're spending a big dollar over there next year. Yes. And also working in conjunction. It's, it's, look, it's a combination of things. Point of sale material, training, yes. everything. Once you've got your accounts, all those staff trained and they feel confident about your product, they're going to sell it.
1: Yeah, they should be your army on the ground, right? That's, that's
0: exactly right. You know, they can go to the website, pull everything down, they can look at the product yes. and they know exactly what they're talking about. So, so the
1: investment if, into digital for you is really a big thing because it gives you the opportunity to be multilingual. Correct. And it also gives you the opportunity to reference multiple vehicles and really quickly, right? Because it's a really
0: complicated product. Yeah, okay. It's so many little plastic bits and pieces and spacer blocks and this to level things up or whatever it might be and different clamps, rubber pads. It's a... And then accessories on top of it. It's a minefield. I mean, we have 950 little plastic injection moulding dies at the moment. Different shapes and sizes. It's, you know, there's there's a lot of tooling there.
1: That's a lot of building stuff.
0: Different aluminium bar links. It's a huge combination of product. But overall, it's in some ways, it's simple but in other ways, it's complicated due to so many different bills of material.
1: Yeah. So, the digital landscape has allowed you to simplify that for Correct. both the dealer and the consumer. Absolutely spot on. Yeah, yeah. So, it's the barrier to entry is lower. So, people can buy easier. Yes. You would be one of the few. I was trying to work this out before coming here and I did a whole bunch of Googling and I couldn't find any business of your size in terms of revenue turnover and staff that has a full manufacturing operation still in Australia. You'd be one we're, of the very we're scarce a, few,
0: a rare breed. Yeah, we are. it's, um, but it's great to keep it here in Australia. I mean, I suppose in real terms, all right, we're still we're bringing accessories in from Asia, but the racks are done here, and so it's about fifty-fifty, which yep. is good. But we want to keep it that way as well, and yeah. then we can really make ensure we've got the safety and the integrity of the plastics and so forth. That is very, very important. And I've got a great team of engineers who uh, look at all of this stuff um, and are designing for me now.
1: And do the government help you with that innovation? Like do you, you know, is that something Mm -hmm. that...
0: Yeah, well, look, we do claim a little bit back from the R&D side of things, which is good. It all helps.
1: Which you should be.
0: But we don't go out there looking for it. We try and survive on our own right without having to... Yeah,
1: in a commercial environment. That's
0: exactly right. So it's a nice way to be able to do it.
1: So um, in terms of, let's go back to the online stuff because I think that's really interesting, is, you know, in terms of digital, when you have got obviously so many multilingual sites because yeah. you're in so many places and you're gaining speed and traction in all these different markets, yeah. are the different markets telling you to innovate differently or are we becoming really a very big global marketplace?
0: We will become, well, look, we're dealing with really 40 countries now Yeah. in real terms.
1: Wow, that's a um, lot.
0: It is. Some of them are just in a small way, though, which is you know we can only handle so much. But I mean, later it's on,
1: PR yourself say it's big, it's massive, oh, it's, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're growing well in the states, and we're you know we're number one in Australia. We're very happy from that point of view. But you know, one day I want I'll, I'll, I'll go into China, and I'm thinking that it, it might be easier just to do things online in China. The same with Europe, we can just have a warehouse over there and ship d- ship it to there. And, and then pack. Ex- expedite it straight from that warehouse, pick and pack, and out it goes to the consumer. And do something like that in, in Europe, but uh, just one step at a time. I just yeah, want to course. conquer the USA and that side of things, and do that for the next five or ten years. We're going to be so busy there.
1: I think you're going to be so busy there because it's yeah. the land of outdoor sports. Why oh, we're, yeah. we're an outback country. It, they, exactly you know, right. snow, yeah. ski, surf, and depending on where you are. Yeah.
0: I mean, we haven't even started on the commercial ladder rack systems over there in the US, which we do here in Australia. We've got all those pickups to do. All, There's so much work.
1: God, it's imagine fantastic. all the vans you could fit out in the states. Yeah. As it's an a, as an entrepreneur and as an innovator, that just must make you excited. You must feel twenty again.
0: We don't have any problem selling. It's just a matter of you know enough days in the week to get everything done. Now it's it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible, really.
1: And do you think, that, does that inspire your team that, you know, not even the mentality but that gusto, does that inspire your guys? Well, to it be- does
0: but the, the good thing is there's, there's really nothing I say no to. The guys, <laughs> the guys come up and say, look. We're- you
1: heard it here first, entrepreneur <laughs> tip number one, say no to nothing.
0: <laughs> look, we love having a good time and we love the innovation and, and, you know, designing, you know, this, that and the other. And the main thing is it has to be safe. It yeah. has to work. It's got to be rock solid, you know. So we're not desperate to put a product out there in the marketplace. It has to be a tick all the boxes and it's got to be spot on, um, you know, from a quality point of view, safety and everything else. So, but, you know, my, my engineers, I, I love them. You know, they're, all, they're always involved deeply in every product. Yeah. And, they, and the, you'd think it was their own, which yeah. is great. That's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. It is great. I've got the greatest team there. It really is fantastic and everyone else in the building as well, not yeah. ju- not just the engineers.
1: Now, tell me, you have a 3D printer at your office. We do indeed. What do you use 3D printing for? What a tech advancement.
0: Well, it's, you know, quite often I'll just come up with an idea, a concept, and then the boys will design it that day and we'll make it, we'll actually print that little model of that little widget the following night. And I come back in the morning and think, wow, look at that. Um, How amazing. Uh, I know. And then you think... Look, let's change this, put a few radiuses on this, that and the other. We'll change the shape again. We might do it again. And then it's, it's just brought things to a new, a new level. Yeah. At the speed of what we can do. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic.
1: Now, I hear you're a bit of a bandit for the back of the envelope uh, drawing or the back of the <laughs> napkin at the pub drawing.
0: Yeah. Does or, that keep you fresh? It, all the time. All the time. You've just got to it's, – it's interesting. You see a product – and you just think, wow, I could do that better. There's, there's always something which grabs your attention and mm. you think, that's a good idea, but why don't we change it around this way and make it in a more practical manner? And that's so important, having practicality with the product which you're doing. Yeah. And it's got to be user-friendly. I suppose that's why we've succeeded in so many different ways. It's mm. simple product, it's practical, it's quality, at a sensible price.
1: Do you think that your time all those years ago back in 92 when you had your physical bricks and mortar, you know, putting the roof racks on, stored, do you think that that's helped you all these years now looking ahead? Has that helped you keep that practicality and critical thinking about your product?
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Being physically hands-on.
0: Being being hands-on when you're wielding a spanner around and so forth and you're looking at every design of this, that and the other so important. It really is. And
1: yeah, unless I would, you've I done it.
0: I wouldn't be here today without having that experience.
1: So would you, what would you say to other, I suppose, you know, future business owners or entrepreneurs out there that are looking to succeed? What would be your tips for success?
0: Um, the first thing I'd say is concentrate on one little area and really get to know the opportunities.
1: It's really good advice because it can be applied regardless of your industry or regardless of the yeah. practicality, can't it? Because yeah. it could be, you know, um, you know if you're a, a digital native or you're creating physical product or even if you're a service provider, mm. you really need to understand it, pull it apart and then almost rebuild it. It's like...
0: Absolutely. But think about what add-ons can I, can I have? What, what yeah. can I make? What can I develop? Which is going to make it a better mousetrap. Every time, you've got to think that way.
1: I love that. You know? That's, yeah, I love that. That's yeah. excellent. Um, now, my final question, because we know that we've got lots of people um, listening from around the world, but we do have quite a lovely audience in New Zealand. You're also um, at, right into the New Zealand market and quite well established yes. over in our yeah. sister, sister Kiwi nation. We've got a little
0: warehouse over there in Wellington.
1: Yeah, what's the difference? What, what are the practical differences that you see between, you know, the nature of business in Australia versus New Zealand?
0: Basically, they're the same. Yeah? Yeah. Over between New Zealand, we don't have the same distribution base over there. Yes. And we don't want to overexpose the product. I think that's the important thing. You can can explain some, that to me. You can have too many dealers.
1: Mm.
0: I mean, right now we've got 800 in Australia. Yeah. We could go out and have 2,000 if we really wanted to, but then the pressure on every dealer is going to be much greater and discounting this, that, the other, so that every dealer is making a respectable amount from selling the product and so forth and, and representing the product properly.
1: I feel like it f- almost feels like a business obligation if you're, you know, at the at the coalface of selling the product wholesale mm. to these guys, but it also feels like a bit of a moral obligation. As very a... much so,
0: very much so. You've got to give everyone their territory.
1: Because but... if you flood the market, you're actually doing yourself a disservice in the long run, but well, you're also and, doing... those,
0: and those stores have become disinterested in it.
1: And they're not going to promote it for you Absolutely. and they're not going to... So it can to...
0: work in reverse. So you've got to be sensible, always be sensible that way.
1: Well, I have to say it's been a very delightful chat with you this Thanks, afternoon, Kate. Richard. No. I feel like I've learnt quite a lot about critical thinking in that, you know, you're somebody who invents and creates physical, tangible things all the yeah. time and you're always pulling them apart. Always. I love that.
0: Yeah, Always.
1: Now we're just gonna put some back together. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> thanks so much for All joining right. me, Richard. No, thank,
0: thanks for your time, Kate. Really appreciate it.
1: Join us next week when I chat to Michael Ephraim, the managing director at Sony Computer Entertainment. VR's coming. The Contented Collective is a Contented production produced by Shay Constantine and me. Production assistant Jessica Peach, researched by me and Jessica Peach, edited by Shay Constantine and mixed by Nathan Johnson at Mix Osmosis. To catch up on other Contented Collective podcasts, head to our website, contented.com.